God is really good, isn't he? Yes. Yes. I just love how much Jesus loves us. And he made it possible for us to be here today. And that's why we're here. He's really awesome, and we love him. Um, You know, I really do love your kids. And I actually, today, I miss them right here. I miss being with them right here. And um, we were having small group in City Kids a couple of months ago, and this topic came up about how do we get to know God more. And so some of the small groups are led by kids, and some are led by adults. And so as they were talking, one little boy said, um, I know, I know how that you get closer to God. My little brother ate some of my big brother's Bible, and now the Holy Spirit is inside him. <laughs> I said, you got it, bud. <laughs> we're not going to actually eat the Bible today, but we are going to get into the Word of God. And um, I just want you to know, you guys have some awesome kids, and I just encourage you that as you see more about them and you see more about the ministry that God's unfolding there, that you join with us if you can. Um, if we aren't with them beside them right now, even serving them a little cup of cold water, or in a small group encouraging just listening to them. If we're not with them beside them now, they're not going to be beside us in a couple of years when they're in here. And we need you. Uh, we have a wonderful crew of workers and teachers and assistants, and they're awesome. But I know this for a fact. In fact, if you're one of those guys, raise your hand if you're in here. we got a couple, and some of them are out back and some are on vacation. But I'm telling you this. God can only send so many kids and grown-ups. That's right, Ryan. Until we have a big enough net to hold them all. We're doing awesome, but we need more hands. And I just want you to know your kids are awesome. And they're receiving from God. The little guys are going home to girls and telling mom and dad, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. And Jesus healed her mom. That little two-year-old girl who was squirming in her chair went home and said, Jesus heals, mom. They're going out to their families that don't know God and they're telling them about Jesus. It's powerful. But I know you guys know that, so we're going to talk to grown-ups today, okay? I'm used to talking to shorter people, so bear with me, all right? And I know you guys, we've all been talking about go, and it's a great thing because we need to go, right? God's commissioned us to go. And so we're going to talk today about going as the real you, the real you. And we're going to read a story today that I know we've all heard it, um, and it's probably a story that we've heard many times, but when I was reading through it a couple of months ago in my Bible, something really stuck out to me. So I'm believing that God is going to speak to us something new today. And so we're going to actually read about the lady who went to the well. She was a Samaritan lady, so we're in John 4. And we've got some stuff up here on the screen for you. It's in the Message Bible which is similar to the New Living Translation as well. But we're going to read John 4. We're going to read a couple of verses here just to give us a little background, okay? So we're going to start there in verse 4. And it says, to get there, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Don't you love it? Jesus just had to, right? He had to go that way. I love that. And so he came to um, the town called Sikar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. So Jesus, who was tired out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, sounds like a reality show, doesn't it? About to unfold. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and his livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. 
Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Lord God, we thank you for your word right now. Lord, we ask you to speak to us. We know that it's a living, living, breathing element, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, Lord God, and reveal something new about yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys, we all have heard this story, and I always wonder sometimes if there's um, people in the Bible who are kind of hiding in heaven because they're like, oh man, they're reading my story again and how I messed up. But you know, I doubt it because they're probably up there watching me on the front row seat about how I messed up my story. But God re- redeems our story. And this story that we're going to consider this morning is, it, it's impactful and it has something for us to look at. The Samaritan lady, we know Samaritans were considered by the proper Jews to be like a half-breed. They were looked down upon. They were considered to have lost their racial peer because back in the day, King Assyria, he took 10 of the tribes captive. Um, and those who, when that all passed, those who were left over intermarried with the Assyrians. And so they began to be looked down upon by the proper Jews. Reality show continuing here. They claimed that they were descended from Joseph and Levi. And that was their tie to being those ancient Israelites and that tie to God and all of that stuff. And here's the thing. They had the faith of Abraham. But they didn't worship at Jerusalem, okay? And that's the place the Jews on the other side of the camp claim was the place to go. So you have the Samaritans who are claiming to worship God, and the Jews are like, well, you've got to do it here. So you got this friction going on on top of everything else. Okay, the town that this happened in was called, if I'm saying it right, Sikar, Sikar, but it was, it was, if you define it, it was called the town of the sepulcher, and that's where Jacob was, or Joseph was buried. His tomb was there, his bones were there. And the field where Jacob had given his son Joseph, that was bordering this this town. Can you just like the holy grail of the places to be? I mean, Joseph is in the ground. His very bones are there. Oh, my word. It's the place to be. And Jacob's well. And by the way, Jacob's well was actually really, really good water. Honestly, it was. It was like the best. I mean, they were like connoisseurs back in the day of well water. I'm serious. Okay, I looked this up. Jacob's well was supposed to be like the best water you've ever tasted. It's better than the bottles of whatever you pay two bucks to get at Starbucks. It was way better. It was actually clear, and it was claimed to be refreshing. It was supposed to quench your thirst. It was like miracle water, okay? So here's Jesus. He's actually tired. His physical body was tired, so he sat down at the well. And he's waiting there. His disciples had gone into town to get lunch, which I'm sure is a whole other story. A bunch of Jewish guys walked into a... <laughs> we won't finish that joke, okay? All right, so they asked us... So here's Jesus. And Jesus asked the Samaritan lady for a drink. So, of course, we heard she's taken aback because, A, he's a Jew. Apparently, they can tell these things by just looking at your face. She knew he's a Jew. And he's a guy talking to a woman. So Jesus tells her, Hey, if you knew God, you would be asking me for something here, okay? And so, can you just see Jesus? He's offering her what she needs, but she doesn't know it. It's like he kind of pauses. like, hey, here's what you need. But she doesn't take it. She goes on and on about the well. Isn't that great? I love that. She goes, well, who do you think you are? She calls him sir. Sir. That's so formal. There's no relationship there. That's so formal. So she calls him. She's telling him all about the well. And here she goes. I love this. She goes, you don't even have a bucket. Okay, if somebody asks, offers to give you living water, do you think you're going to give them a bucket? I mean, this girl is just totally on what she can see, what she can hear and feel. Okay, but and then she goes on and on. She goes, well, how are you going to get living water? She goes, um, are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob? Obviously, they've got Jacob on a really high pedestal. Are you better than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons, 
sons must have been really good to go pass down all these stories. His sons drank it as well. Oh, my word. And then she goes on and says, his camels drank here. Seriously? Oh, my word. Jacob's nasty, dirty camels drink here, and I get to touch this well. It's so awesome. Oh, my word. Jesus, camel spit. Which water are you going to take? She doesn't get it, though, okay? And get this. The Samaritans were barely coattail cousins of this whole line of Jacob and Joseph that she's claiming. Jacob's my daddy. Jacob's my ancestor. They were barely, barely related. Remember that whole captivity thing? All the intermarrying? They were barely even there. And she goes, oh, and yeah, Jacob passed it down to us. Well, he didn't really pass it down to them. Not really. She's hanging on to straws here. So here we have a woman, bless her heart, and I think that's what you say, right, for somebody like this? Bless their heart? Okay, good. So, and so here's Jesus. It's like Undercover Boss, right? Have you guys seen that show? It's like Jesus put on a beard or took it off, whatever, and he's standing there, Undercover Boss, right in front of her. And she doesn't even know it. He's offering her something spiritual. It's not like there's a thing about a man and a woman that can't communicate. It's not that at all. He's offering her something spiritual, but she's still in her soul level. Okay, guys? If you don't know this already, we are made out of three parts. We are a spirit. That's the part that identifies with Jesus. We go to heaven. We have a soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Okay? And we live inside a body. When God made Adam back in the day, he made him out of dirt. There's part one. You got your body. You live in that body. Made it out of dirt. We all know dust to dust, blah, blah, blah. You end up dirt again, okay? God breathed his spirit into Adam. There's your spirit. And Adam had a soul. He had a mind. God had him name all the animals. He had emotions. He loved Eve. And he had a will. He disobeyed. Okay? We are three parts. It's like an apple. Okay, you've got your core, your seeds, you've got the meat, and you've got the skin. That's still an apple. Every part of those is an apple. But there's three parts to it. And what is the part that makes us the real us? What part makes us the real us? Is it our eye color? No. Hair? No, because I can guarantee you in about two days, mine's going to change because certain colors keep popping up that I don't really appreciate. So I just didn't have time to color before today, so sorry about that. But our hair color does not make us who we are. Is it the thoughts we have? Like some new, brand new, innovative idea? I mean, does okay, so think about Bill Gates. Does Microsoft 8 or 10 or 200, whatever we're up to now, does that define Bill Gates? No. It doesn't define the real him. Okay, think about those times, though, when you're in communion with God. It could be 30 seconds. It could be 30 minutes. I don't know. But when you're in communion with God, when you're talking with him and you're praying or you're worshiping, even if you're serving somebody and you feel that connection with God himself, that is the real you. That is your spirit inside connecting. That's the part that connected to salvation one day. That you first said yes to God. On the flip side, have you ever seen people who practically are just worshiping the devil? It's like Darth Maul times ten, okay? People, you can just sense something evil about them. You can tell people by their spirit. You're around somebody, you feel uneasy and, ew, something's not right. Or you feel peaceful and calm and there's light and there's truth and joy and peace. 
That's something that's not sustained by something physical. It's not sustained by something soul-related because I'll tell you, there's not enough chocolate in the world to make sure that you can feel peaceful around me all the time. Okay, that is a spirit thing. That only comes from the power of God that comes from living water. So looking back at our Samaritan friend here who is banking everything she has on camel spit at a well, okay, that dear woman was in the midst of just seeing what was around her by her soul. And let me tell you, that well was one in a million in that field. That field was known for its wells. It abounded in springs. And by the way, that well would have only been built by somebody who wanted to be isolated from their neighbors. Okay, so here's Jacob who built the well, and he was already working in soul things. He was already afraid of or wanting to um, make sure that his neighbors didn't intrude on his face, and his family was taken care of for generations and generations and generations, which is good stuff, but you've got to do it with the right attitude, okay? And so Jacob's well, let me tell you, this was a substantial well, okay? It was deep. It had like 15 feet of water. It was seven and a half feet of wa- in diameter. There was masonry down, down 10 feet and below that was solid rock. And like I said before, it was like the best water ever. That well was not going anywhere. It was a statement that said, we will not be moved. We will satisfy the thirst of a generation. Pepsi had nothing on that baby because it was the place to be. Okay? But Jesus reminded the Samaritan lady, drinking from that well is going to make you thirsty again and again and again. Your body and soul will never be satisfied. So here in verse 15, she tells Jesus, she says this. She goes, so give me this living water, sir, so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. Now, when she said that phrase, I won't ever have to come back to this well to draw water, she's referring to taking care of her family. So you know in her mind, she's thinking about that no good guy living in my house and those kids are just sitting around playing video games with their feet up. I'm just out here getting water for these people. They're so ungrateful. You know what she's thinking, right? Do you ever have those moments when what you're thinking just kind of, you let it come out? Oh, okay. I'm not the only one. Okay, good. So here she is, and she's almost kind of sassing off to Jesus just a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, give me this water so I don't have to come back anymore. You know, if somebody else had walked by, they could have just seen her on the outside and heard her words and think, she is going all Samaritan on Jesus. But that is not the real her. That is not who she really was. See, we all have these soul flare-ups, don't we? We do. And it can be happy and crazy and get proudful or it could be really sad or bummed or you know like the movie inside out you know is your joy kind of dragging your sadness around by the foot because i mean that's it we just go from all these flare-ups of our soul but those don't define you those do not define me they should not inhibit us from receiving from jesus they should not stop us from going now she brought up water for her family she brought up the topic so jesus jumps right in like he didn't know it was going to happen, right? He goes, oh yeah, let's talk about your family. Because yeah, I know you guys have been talking about yogurt or oikos or something in here, right? Oikos? Okay, good. And so everything we do, when Jesus connects with us, it affects more than us. It connects, affects our family. It affects those around us. And Jesus is like, oh good, let's talk about this. Your family, yes, by the way. He knew all about her. He says, go get your husband. Verse 16, he goes, go get your husband and come back here. Because he knew she had been married five times already. And the guy living with her was not even her husband. We don't know if she's a widow and had a lot of grief. We don't know if it was something else. You know what I'm saying? But we don't know that. But Jesus did. Okay? And he says, go get your husband. He started to reveal a little deeper with this lady. I know you. 
And I still want to have a conversation with you. And I still got something to offer you. Okay? She'd been trying to quench her soul with only human relationships. It was not working. Instead here of acknowledging and responding to Jesus right now, she could have just done it right now and said, hey, yeah, I need this from you. She decides to challenge him one more time. One more flare-up of the soul. Verse 19 through 22, she says this. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Oh, Jesus is not going to be stumped by this. He's God, right? He says, believe me, woman. I love the message Bible. It's so awesome. He says, believe me, woman. The time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, either here at this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Okay, here we go. But the time is coming. In fact, it has come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Quite a deal, huh? Yeah. Okay, so, see, here's the deal. The Samaritans had not really known the object of their worship. They had this God picture. They didn't really know him. The Jews were so hung up on where to go, they were so caught up in symbolism. If they had a little phone, they would have texted you a little temple picture. And that would be the only emoticon that would be allowed for Jerusalem because they were so stuck on that. But here's verse 23. This is my favorite part. This is where God was speaking to me, okay? Get this. 23 through 24, it's who you are, the way you live, that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth, which is really Jesus. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself. Spirit, that's what he is. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, in adoration. Worship has to engage our spirit. And we're pursuing truth. That's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. We're pursuing him. And our worship, by the way, is more than just singing a song. Worship is a lifestyle. It's prayer. It's serving. It's connecting. It's going. It's everything we do all the time. Many things in our life add up to a lifestyle of seeking Jesus, seeking the truth, and living for him. And let me just say, though, all those things, whether it's worship, whether it's giving, whether it's serving or going or anything at all, it has to come from inside. It's not an outward show, but I'll tell you, the inside does affect the outside. And there's nothing the outside can do to hold back to worship or to go connect or to serve because the inside is so on fire for Jesus. Right? That's right. Our motivation in pursuing Jesus is not to feel good. And you all can kick me out because I'll be going to kids next week. So ah, if I say, I'm trying not to offend anybody, but I'm telling you like it is, is what God told me. And if you don't like it, I'll be in city kids next week. You can come talk to me. I'm just kidding. But anyhow, here's the deal. Our worshiping Jesus, pursuing him, a lifestyle of worshiping Jesus is not so we can feel good. That's our soul. That's right. It does happen. That's not the reason. Our motivation is not so we can get to know more and expand our knowledge of this huge brain. But it happens. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation is not to change our habits or persuasions. That thing's all fall in line. That's not our motivation, though. 
Okay? That's an end result. These things happen naturally as a result of pursuing Jesus. Does it seem like a lot of pressure? Does it seem like a hard thing to do? It's not really because Jesus gives us the key. It's a freeing key. It's very freedom-filled. It says the kind of people the Father is looking for are those who are simply, honestly, themselves. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to beat somebody else's Facebook post before you can worship Jesus effectively. You don't have to have your house looking like that pretty Facebook picture before you can host a small group. (laughs) Talking to me, okay? God himself is sheer being. He is a spirit. He is a spirit. And those who worship him have to do it in their spirit. All we need to be when we worship, when we pray, when we serve in the church, lead a small group, when we go out there and we tell people about the love of God, all we have to be is ourselves. But here's the key. Our self is not our body, how we feel, how we look that day. Our self is not our thoughts and our mind. Wow, I had a great thought. I should share it with somebody. No. Our true self is not how emotionally sound we are. Coming to God in worship and prayer, giving and serving is not based on how well we did something last week or yesterday or on the way to church. It's not based on if we failed or succeeded at loving somebody well. It's not based on if we yelled at our kids or our spouse this week. It's not based on if you read half your Bible or a chapter. If you did or didn't give your tithes. If you took or missed an opportunity. Those things definitely, yes, need to be in our lives. They do need to be qualified and working in our lives. But they don't qualify you or me to worship God. Those things do not qualify us to go and tell others about Jesus. Those things don't qualify us whether we can get down on our knees and pray to God. They don't qualify us. He qualifies us. And He qualifies you the minute you ask Him into your heart. That Spirit of His is birthed inside of us. And when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit and better portion comes. And every day, every moment, we need Him. I didn't even talk to the worship team, by the way. Every time, God did. And so when we begin to worship and we get filled daily with the Holy Spirit, there's more and more and more of His outpouring in us. His DNA, the very seeds of the seed of His Spirit is in our core being. And that Spirit, let me tell you, is perfect and flawless. It's perfect and flawless. That Spirit that's inside of you, that by the way, raised Jesus out of the grave. That spirit, when you come in here, it's ready to worship. That spirit, when you're on your knees at home or you're coming into prayer in the city center at 930 to 10, when you come in to pray, that spirit is ready to pray. That spirit, when you leave here and you go to lunch at Culver's and you go and that clerk is looking downcast, your spirit is all stirred, ready to say the word to that person. Your spirit is the real you that goes out. Your spirit is the one reaching up to God and saying, I need you. I'm hungry for more of you. Your spirit is saying, I love God. I love people. Your body's like, I just woke up. Your spirit's like, I'm ready. I'm going to step up and serve in my church. I'm going to do something so others can come up and can come in here and sing. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to sing and worship God in my true self so other people can learn how to worship and feel the presence of God. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to stand at the front door so people come in and feel greeted and get to know God before they even get on the seat. I'm going to step up and serve our children. I'm going to step up and serve our cafe. I'm going to serve in the sound booth. I'm going to serve wherever. It doesn't matter. So that other people can come into church who are lost and hurting and they can receive from God. It's our spirit inside of us that's reaching out at the store, at the neighborhood. 
We cannot get caught up in the successes or the failures of our soul. We can't listen to condemnation that our soul might try to point out to us. Let me tell you, the other day I came out here early and I was in my office praying and worshiping. And I was in some good worship. You know, it was a great song of my planet shakers. And I'm like, yeah. And can you believe it? While I'm feeling that connection, my mind starts to go, oh, do you remember what you did last night? You got upset at your kids. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? How fast our soul will step up and say, remember this? But you know what we got to do? Mm. I already took care of that with God. I already told him, repented. I told him, I'm sorry. It's done. Soul, hush it up. Spirit, we're going to pray and worship. That's it. That's what you got to do. And let me tell you, sometimes your spirit is a little quiet. You got to turn off the noise. Uh huh. So you can hear. Worship him out of your true self, your spirit. And guess what? If we don't do it, it's a form without power. If we don't worship him in spirit, it's a form without power because i'll tell you what it might carry you for about 20 minutes and you hit a wall and you're like oh no power worship in spirit serve him in spirit if we don't give him the glory do him we miss the end the fulfillment of worship and that's the lifestyle i'm talking about worshiping out of anything other than our spirit comes from our own power and that doesn't stay for long it's not god's glory because we do it a worship a lifestyle we worship and we do everything for his glory it's much more we can feel so much more we can re- get so much more of it we don't base it on how we think we don't base it on how we feel we don't base it on letting if our will deter decides to If it's going to determine the day, our will is not in charge. The spirit, I'm talking to myself, the spirit is in charge. And that's the spirit of Jesus. And we move past those things and we worship him in spirit. There's so much truth there. There's light and freedom and holiness and purity. And all those things we want to see happen in our lives come to fruition because our spirit has been released to serve God. God created us like him as a spirit for a reason. That's how we communicate with him. That's how we fellowship with him. That's the level that we go and we reach out to others. None of it's based on how we feel. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> beat it down, beat it down. Yeah, no. I'm just... It's not based on what we want to do. <laughs> There's so much other things I would like to do sometimes. But you know what? When I do what God says, all those other things end up coming around and everything's so wonderful and beautiful anyway. And you're like, oh, so much better. So much better. So much better. Here's one interesting note, okay? Well, there are two, but here's the first one. The Samaritan woman, early on, she used the word God. We worship God on this mountaintop. When Jesus began to explain things to her, he referred to God as the Father. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for, he said. Just got personal, didn't it? It got personal. So she takes a step closer. And she says in verse 25... She says, I don't know about that, but I, I know that when the Messiah is coming, when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Let me tell you, she used the word Messiah right there. That's a Jewish word. She's a Samaritan lady. Messiah is very personal. That refers to Jesus. When we would say here, when we refer to Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's like Jesus the Messiah. She began to get very personal. She's starting to open up a little bit here. Quite a bridge for her to make. And Jesus responds back to her. Very quickly, partly because he sees his disciples coming and they are, he already knows they're not going to be too helpful here. He's, <laughs> yeah, because you know what? When, when they got back, they didn't say a word, but they looked at her and she left. 
So before they could get there, Jesus knows a lot of stuff fell out people, right? So he calls and he tells her, because she's saying all this Messiah stuff. He goes, I'm he. So here we got a little connection, a little personal window here. Because here's the thing. If we don't know God as our father, if we don't know him as Jesus the Messiah, it's way easier to do soul things because we're trying so hard to do the stuff. We're trying to get to church and check it off. We're trying to read our Bible, put a star. We're trying to, we didn't mess up on the ride to church. And oh my goodness. Well, if we know God as our father, if we know him as our savior. It's so much easier to really do that stuff because we love him. If I have a relationship with my husband, it's so much easier to make him chicken when I want beef because I love him. Yeah, true story. (laughs) And we had both last night, let me tell you. (laughs) And that's just what the Samaritan woman did, okay? (laughs) She said, I've met the man who knows me. And guess what? She went right back to her village. Ran past those stinky disciples and she went right back to her village and said to the people, Come see the man who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And it says in verse 39 through 42 that many of the Samaritans committed themselves to him because of her witness. It says it because of her witness. And her witness was what? A big theological statement? No. Jesus knows me. Jesus loves me. That's all she said. And did she go and get engaged first to that guy before she went and said it? No. Did she go clean up her house? No. She ran back and she said, Jesus knows me. This could be the Messiah. And many came. In fact, it says Jesus even stuck around in the Samaritan village for a couple more days. And it says a lot more entrusted their lives to him. That Samaritan led more people to Jesus when she worked in her spirit realm than when she ever did on her soul. When she decided to let go and connect with Jesus on a soul level, our spirit level, she brought a whole lot of people. That lady is getting a big round of applause in heaven for all the people she led to Jesus. When she was relating to him on her soul level, what, five guys? Not many people. She's known Jesus on a spirit level. She brought in a bazillion people to God because she just knew Jesus and they had a connection on a spiritual level. The living water Jesus offered her is the same water he offers us today. His spirit infusing our spirit. He wants to touch our spirits today. And when he touches your spirit, your soul will feel better. When he touches your spirit, your body will feel better. And even if it doesn't for a while, it doesn't matter because your spirit is you. He is, if he's not your Lord and Savior, he can be today. And that living water will start to flow. If the Holy Spirit hasn't filled you up yet, he can today and you'll get even more full. If you need a fresh infilling, the Holy Spirit will come and do that today. And you can bask in the living water. We need that living water. And you know what? I want to tell you one more thing. When that lady left Jesus to go back to town, she left this behind. She left it. She left her soul ways behind. She went to tell others. She left this behind. And she told people. Many were saved. Many were saved. It's time to leave our water jugs behind. It's time to put our will. Leave our will behind. It's time to leave our intellectual attempts to figure out Jesus and lifestyle and all that behind. It's time to leave our prideful feelings, even our feel-bad things that motivate us us and we feel horrible, soul, 
leave it behind. It's time to leave every failure behind. Today's the day. None of those things will hold water. It's time for living water. It's time to step it up for Jesus and drink it in in our spirit and then give it out. You can't leave it sitting there. Have you ever seen our pond? It's just not a moving body of water. It gets nasty. If you let your water, if you let your water sit around and just, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. But after a while, if it stagnates, nobody wants it anyhow. Okay? It's time to worship God like never before. It's time, you guys. It's time to serve. It's time to pray. It's time to seek God. It's time to serve in our church because many people are coming in with one of these. It's time to, they can find, they need to find a place to be welcomed and greeted. They need to find a place to be prayed for. They need to find a place to follow true worshipers, worshipers of Jesus. They need a place where their children can receive. They need a place where small groups await to love on them and walk them through. They need a place where they can feel loved by the Father. Today we're setting our water jug down right here. Right here by Jesus. We're leaving it at the cross. And we're not looking back. Okay? And you notice my hands are free. Can worship, sing, serve. I'm not carrying my jug anymore. We approach God as our Father. Our Abba Father. We connect with Him. Spirit to spirit. We rise to new heights today. Inside of our spirit. And that is then expressed... And it's realized in our outward actions, our inward thoughts and feelings. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect from this day on, but it means we're looking at our spirit. That's what we, that's what we're looking at. That's what we're connecting with God, our relationship with God and His church and people as we go. It's a spirit thing. I think that's an old DC talk song, but it's a spirit thing. (laughs) Okay, let's pray. Lord God. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your son, but you gave it to us anyway. You loved us first, Lord God, and we so love you back today. Lord, we say in faith that we will rise up the spirit people, Lord God. We will focus our spirits on you. We will love and serve and connect with you. Yes, God. And right now, Lord God, we just extend our hands. Let's everybody stand to our feet. Lord God, we stand before you in your presence this morning, Lord God, with our hands lifted up, Father God, giving to you our water jug, Lord. You see what's inside that thing, Lord, and we give it to you right now in the name of Jesus. We say that every soul tie is broken in Jesus' name. Every body tie is broken in the name of Jesus. We speak to our spirits right now and we say, Spirit, be alive in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Receive from God this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you hear us. We ask you to fill us fresh and anew this morning, Lord God. We give it all to you, Lord God, and we thank you. This is a new day. Every day is a new day, Lord God. We give it all to you. And we ask you to fill our spirit, Lord God. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord God. Praise Praise you, Lord. You 